Welcome to Can, Can We Talk, Talk About, About this? this? I'm your host, Amberlee from The Power of Birth. And I'm your producer, Rajelle from Be Designs. And together we created this podcast to talk about women's health and the things that really matter. We have a real passion and focus on women's health and wellness and overall emphasize the importance of talking about maternal health. We chat to experts and continue sharing your stories. We're here to start the conversation, raise awareness, spread the word, call out gaps in the system and implicit biases. And we hope you learn something or even if you're just screaming yes the entire podcast. This is not a place for small talk, we're about real talk. And when we know better, we do better. And we challenge you to start this conversation elsewhere. Today, Alison joins us to share her experience with birth trauma. Alison's second birth was quite traumatic, and so there is a trigger warning for this episode. Alison is here today to talk about the lack of awareness and inadequate treatment she received after her birth and managing a prolapse and the impact it had on her mental health. Alison is here to share her story and talk about the realities of living with physical birth trauma or prolapse. Now, I know this can be a sensitive topic for some, but when, Alison, you first sent me your story, your emotion really came out and it stunned so many people, myself included. I felt, you know, sad, frustrated, enraged, confused. And then to read about your postpartum experience, it really broke my heart for you. So we aren't necessarily going to talk much about your traumatic birth here today. But for those who want to read about your birth story you can find it at the power of birth on instagram on our website or on facebook i more wanted to chat to you about your postpartum experience and your birth injuries and how that impacted your mental health so let's talk about this so to begin you mentioned that you had hyperemesis gravidarum in your second pregnancy and not your first no my first was beautiful everything about it was beautiful I think that that it's because it's quite sometimes it's the opposite so you'll have it in your first but not your second I'm glad it wasn't the opposite because it was a horrible experience from start to finish the second time and it would be hard to go back again after that so for those people that do go back for seconds thirds fourths after feeling like that I just had off to them I don't know how they do it (laughs) like it was horrible Yeah. And so how did you find that impacted your well-being in your second pregnancy? Um, it was, well, you, having a toddler, I just had to do it. There wasn't much that, you know, you just have to deal with it. I'm lucky I had my mum was an absolute godsend through that, especially with my husband, he works away. And so I spent a lot of time living at my parents' house and they'd take after, um, look after my daughter and it got to the point where I was just grey and looked sick and my mum drove me from Foster down to Newcastle Hospital and we stayed overnight um, and I was on the drip getting medication and bags of fluid and everything pumped into me and my mum was there and the, my daughter was there and we had a room to ourselves in the hospital. And, um, yeah, and, and after that just... If I was getting low again, I'd go back to my obstetrician and say, I need to go in and and get a few bags. It was like I needed, I knew when I needed a top up. Mm, Yeah. And I mean, like you were saying, everything kind of falls to the wayside because you're trying, you're in survival mode with hyperemesis. You're taking it day by day, hour by hour. And then you experience this traumatic birth. Did at any point, throughout this birth 
you stop feeling sick? Like, was it immediate or did it kind of linger a couple of hours after? Or were you just like, oh, thank goodness, like this baby's out of me and I'm not sick anymore. But now I've got this whole other thing to deal with. No, I didn't have it my whole pregnancy, thankfully. I sort of lost it. It was just that first trimester leading to the second that it was just horrible. I lost 10 kilos. And then after that, I started to feel a bit better and just, yeah, getting on with it. And that's when I got a bit naive again about remembering how beautiful my daughter's experience was and just thinking it was going to be the exact same. Yes, you had a lot of confidence. Like when you wrote to me, Um, about your first experience and you were kind of like yeah second baby like what a breeze and all the practitioners were kind of giving you the same hope right yeah yeah definitely I remember the obstetrician saying oh you know you did it the right way you had your petite girl first and now you can have your big buffy boy second and it'll just be fine you had a really easy birth and and I again I had all the confidence in him and I was I remember with my daughter I said whatever you suggest and everything he suggested I did and it was it worked out perfectly so I just assumed it was going to be the same again not that I think it necessarily was his fault that it ended up like this but um yeah just having that experience thinking it's going to be the same and then it's not it's a bit of a shock yeah how do you process that (laughs) and so you had a third degree tear and a physio came and saw you in the hospital And did they ever chat to you about the severity of your tear and risk factors that come with a 3B tear? I probably still to now don't realise the severity of that, like and how how it can impact things. Um, So they definitely didn't mention it. They just said, this is what you've got. Just try and do some kegels. And at the time I was doing it, I was like, couldn't feel a thing. Like it was so swollen and... I just couldn't feel anything and I was like this is so strange because I didn't know what was going on um yeah and it wasn't probably until like four months down the track that I was really starting to be aware of the severity of the situation down there other than it was so swollen through hospital but um yeah I don't and again I still don't really understand it but that is probably one thing like the repair on that has been a good repair. So I've seen stories obviously in my own reading now of how a bad repair can affect you and the problems that come with that. So they're the sort of things that I hold on to that, well, at least it was a good repair. Like it could be worse in that sense. I could be dealing with a bad repair and problems that come with that. So I've sort of been lucky in that sense that all that hasn't been a major issue. Mm. And you also mentioned incontinence in your pregnancy and that you experienced an overactive pelvic floor as well prior to this birth. So were you ever screened in either of your pregnancies for pelvic floor issues during pregnancy or even after your baby? I saw the physio after my first and that's when it sort of all started to come to light, this overactive pelvic floor and all that, which I think it's I've had it for a lifetime and I remember as an 18 year old even going to the doctors and talking about issues that I had and painful um like painful intercourse and stuff like that and they never actually said to me anything about pelvic floor like all the way back then so I sort of didn't really know about 
these issues until I had my first, I went and saw, then she said, you've got an overactive pelvic floor and overactive bladder, all these things. Um, and I was working on that, but then I fell pregnant and I was so sick that that just all fell at the wayside. And I just forgot about it, to be honest, because I had a toddler and I had like severe illness through pregnancy. And it just, yeah, by the time I remember speaking to my midwife and saying about the incontinence and stuff, I think I was four weeks out from being like from giving birth to my son. And I just, yeah, something I just never got back to. And now I've seen a lot more physios about it and just trying to find the right one with the right information. Yes. No. I mean, anybody that read your, that has read your story, um, a lot of the people I spoke to anyway or that were messaging me were saying it's the the worst experience. Anybody could go through something like that um, and they'd never read or known somebody who'd been through some, through a birth that traumatic. So, yeah, I definitely think that, you know, your feelings are valid on both sides. Um, and... So you got some kind of a debrief after your birth with your obstetrician? Yeah, well, I sort of, like, I I wanted answers. Like, was there a point that I wouldn't be like this? Like, at what point did you know or didn't you know that this would happen? I don't think they actually knew initially how he was coming out because afterwards the nurses were saying we weren't sure what we were looking at. So... I don't think they actually knew that instead of tucking his chin to his chest, he threw his head backwards and being posterior as well. Like he was sort of coming out in a very awkward position. Um, And I just don't think they realized. And um, yeah, I I didn't, they didn't offer it, but I sort of got to a point where I was like, okay, I want to know some more. But because when I first went back initially, um, it just seems like really airy fairy, like, oh, yeah, like it sucks that it happened to you. Like you're such a nice person. <laughs> and they just, yeah, it was like they just didn't have an answer. And I think he didn't have an answer. That's the thing. He didn't really have an answer for what had happened. He And that's where he told my mom and I that it that was the best case scenario. It could have been a lot worse. So is that why you said to me, um, while yes, you feel like your birth was pretty traumatic, you were able to process that pretty easily considering because it kind of was the best case in that scenario. Would you say that? Depends what, what day you ask me. <laughs> so ah, yes. how I'm feeling um, at the time, like there's been plenty of times where my husband will say they did what they needed to do. It happened like everything happened the correct way. Like at least you're okay, he's okay. And I would be like, I'd rather be dead. Like not because of the what the birth did to me, but the prolapse and the dealing with life now. So, but then other days, like I'd go, yeah, you know, it could have been worse, and I can see that. But then there's days where, like, I couldn't see that. I couldn't see. Yes, it w- it was the worst. Like, <laughs> so did you do any birth prep for this preg- for this birth? Sorry. No, because I didn't really do any for the first either. But now, Mm. like I've done so much research and reading, I wish I knew all that stuff leading into even my first, um, especially my second. But, yeah, just being a bit more aware of things that I, yeah, was so clueless about. 
Yeah. And I, I think every woman can relate to that. It's kind of like every baby we have, well, for those who have multiple children, um, you kind of get it right maybe the third time or maybe the fourth time, you know, because you don't know what you don't know originally. And it's not until you do experience it, um, you know, and like yourself, then you go off and be like, hey, pay attention to this part. This is important. (laughs) Yeah. And I don't think you can tell anyone that either. Like if people were telling me this at the time, I don't think, yeah, I don't think I would have listened or believed it because you need to experience it yourself, I guess. And now I try and tell people. But, yeah, how much people take on is up to them. Yeah, definitely. And so going back to then you've just birthed your baby and you're about a month in and you kind of have realised that something something's going on down there. You've got this heaviness or dragging. Um, can you tell me about your experience finding out you had a prolapse and how did that impact you? I can't even remember exactly when I realised it was prolapse because I remember I went to the hairdressers one day and she said like, oh, did you get prolapse from it all? And I was like, oh, no. Like, well, I don't think so. I don't know what that is. And now I just laugh about that because I think Mm. like, oh, well, (laughs) funny that we're here because I remember that um, conversation. Um, And at first I thought it was just the – the stitching, like the, cause I'd had a major stitch and the muscle needed to repairing. And I just thought that's what I was feeling and that that just needed to heal. And then I would be okay. Mm-hmm. And then, um, yeah, it was around Christmas time that it was still really bulgy. And I, I guess I started looking and researching and going down that rabbit hole and calling my obstetrician and saying, this is how I'm feeling. And this is what I can see. And they said, okay, like come in and we'll fit you for a ring and um, yeah, they made it sound like it'd be all okay. We'll just fit you for this ring and you'll be good to go. But definitely not like that. It's been a major mental battle trying to find um, the right fix and giving it time and all that. Um, But yeah, I think that bulge feeling and not feeling normal as such anymore has been the biggest problem and even to laugh the pressure of laughing in those early months was just too much so you're thinking like hold on a second they've been so casual about this but like I'm laughing and I'm feeling this heaviness like surely this isn't normal or okay or there's something else we can do like were these the thoughts kind of running through your mind yes definitely like frustration that this is my life and you're just thinking you'll be right you know lots of people experience this or I've, I know other people have done this to them. And I just think like, you've got no idea how this is impacting me. And that was the hardest part that you, I was feeling like this and people were just acting as if, you know, it was sort of common, but I guess it is a lot more common than we realize. No one speaks about it, but when you're in that moment, um, it doesn't feel like it, it will get better. Yeah. And so when you wrote to me, you kind of talked about how this frustration in the beginning turned into anger and you were angry all the time. Can you tell me about this? What did life look like for you? Uh, I think I internalized it more, just like being 
angry that I couldn't do things that I would normally do. Like I couldn't just get straight back onto the hockey field. I couldn't just run around with my kids without feeling like this pressure, this incontinence. Um, I probably took it out indirectly on my husband that he would just say, you just got to give it time. It's, you know, you had this birth. It was really hard, rah, rah, rah. But just hearing that made me more angry because it's just like you just can't explain to someone that is, hasn't experienced it. You can't explain yeah. how it makes you feel. And I was just just angry to look in the mirror that I was just I, – I can't even explain it. I was just angry about what was happening, that I just didn't feel normal anymore, that I just wanted to be able to walk around and run and do things like everyone else. Yeah. And so were you ever diagnosed with depression? I went to the doctors and I sort of knew in myself that it was probably going down that path. No one ever actually said that to me. I Mm. got to the point, yeah, where I got Ross River fever at the start of 2020 and my son didn't sleep and still doesn't, wakes too hourly. Um, Mm. So I just had so much going on. I went to the doctor and I was like, I need something to just feel normal. I was just, just felt down all the time. Like I just couldn't be happy. I couldn't see the joy in life. And she gave me something, but then I started taking it and it made me dizzy. And then my son still wasn't sleeping. And I thought, what is the impact on him that these like medication will have? So then I stopped taking it. And then it was like a bit of a roller coaster for, for probably a year where I like some days I'd feel good, others I wouldn't. And it got to a point where I was just really dark and angry. And that's when I um, messaged you. That was probably my lowest point. And I think a week after that, I went to the doctors and got medication. And it has just made the biggest difference in just not having that, that anger all the time. Like it just makes me feel a bit more normal that I can handle things where I went through that point through the last year where I just couldn't handle things. I just was just angry about everything. I didn't even know what I was angry about. I was just angry. (laughs) And everything would set you off then because you were kind of already on edge? Yeah, pretty much. And just the littlest things. And I was trying so hard not to take it out on the kids because it wasn't anyone's fault but it was just the littlest things would make me snap. I just had no patience and it was just everything was annoying me and I just needed something to take that edge off where I could just deal because having Ross River and then the prolapse and then still trying to recover and just wanting to be normal but not actually realising how hectic the situation had all been. Yeah, all while being sleep-deprived and breastfeeding and just – trying to be a mum and, yeah, you know, exactly. get shit done, <laughs> throw it all in. Um, well, I'm really happy that you did write to me your story when you did because when I read your story, it was right before I was going to bed that night, uh, I think I felt every emotion. I felt really happy in the beginning because you started talking about you know, your great pregnancy and great birth and how easy it was. And I think, oh, how good. And then I continue reading and quickly realize, oh, no, this is, this is happening. This is a traumatic birth. And then 
reading your postpartum experience and that's when I feel angry for you because, I mean, you wrote to me like you were angry. So I'm really glad that you wrote to me when you did because I just feel like sometimes when we are in a better headspace and we share our stories, it's like you kind of do have a different spin on it because you're in, you're in a better space and you're a bit more positive. Um, but I think when you are really low and down and you kind of get it out, whether it be in writing or words, it's the realness of having a prolapse and trying to recover from this traumatic experience and then trying to navigate how to do it. And you talked to me about in a couple of emails later, how you had to try something like six different pessaries. What happened there? Like, how did they get this wrong? Is that not normal? (laughs) Is it not normal? I have never heard that before. And I've shared, I don't know, I think it's over a hundred stories now or something. We're pretty small, but still. So I've done my own research and tried to be a voice um, as like the preventative, because as you know, you've also listened to Ari's story, who is a good friend of mine. Um, and she talks about her experience with prolapse and her postnatal depression. Um, and so I know the effects that it can have and the impact it can have on your life. It's really life-changing. It is. Yeah. It's it's a life-changing diagnosis and condition. And I am very confused about how it turned into seven different pessaries to get it right. What happened? Well, I so I started off with the obstetrician where he fitted me with this pessary which he pulled out and it's just this huge silicon donut looking thing and it was must have been the biggest size he had and he put it in and I was like this is horrific this is the worst like it was painful so then he pulled it out and he just sort of kept fitting sizes so I was like well he knows what he's doing like this is his job I didn't realize at the time that they're probably not the people to see about pessaries to me it was like when you said it he was fitting, uh, fitting you for this pessary and just like the casualness of, oh, it's probably the wrong size. Like, oh, this doesn't matter. Like, oh, this happens to plenty of women. Oh, this is common. <gasps> like that like takes my breath away pretty much. I can't yeah, and believe. I do, how I said I like I had a lot of confidence in him, but I was mm. not that I was losing confidence, but I was sort of thinking like you're just brushing this off like it's, like it's nothing and to me it was just like I was leaving and just going crying in my car um and no one up in Newcastle at the time I didn't know it was a thing like I didn't know you had to be trained in fitting pessaries I just assumed it was a gynecologist obstetrician type thing so he fitted a few different ones and I'd go home and then I'd be like no I can't vacuum because I can feel it like in my belly um and so I kept going back and forth and he just fit a different one. So I, I only got charged for one of those, but I think there was five fittings and I ended up with one that I was like, okay, I'm over this. This one's good enough. <laughs> this one is the least annoying. I'm going to stick with this one. And I stuck that one out for three months and then I went back and got it like checked. And then after that, I just wasn't comfortable again. So then I ended up, someone referred me to a a different physio and I just went down this rabbit hole on, on the internet and I actually came across the rehab mama and she, she had a post on her Instagram about a pessary 
and she had a picture of hers and I was like, well, that's what I've got. And I actually messaged her and she was saying that you shouldn't be able to feel it. It should be like invisible. And I was thinking, well, that's not my experience yet. So after that, I, a few months passed where I just didn't wear anything. And then I wanted to get back into exercise and someone else referred me from a story that I put on um, a Facebook group to a Sydney physio and I went down to them and they actually fit pessaries and this is where I tried about maybe seven different types. So I just thought the ring was it. I thought I I didn't know there were different types other than I'd Googled but no one up here does that. So my gut my obstetrician, sorry, said he could order me one from, he'd have to order it from overseas or if they come a different style that I could try for incontinence as well. But I've never heard back about that. So I don't know if that's still coming or what. (laughs) Um, But I found this physio in Sydney who fits, like that's their major role in fitting people. And I've tried a cup, a gel horn, a cube. I tried a dish, um, the ring, everything, and different sizes. So I kept going away, coming back, and finally found one that I can't feel, that's supportive, that does everything, that it's taken me 16 months to get here, but I found the right one. So (laughs) I don't know. It's a very disheartening experience when you're dealing with all of that and you hear stories of people saying, yeah, you just get a pessary and you get on with life. But it wasn't that simple for me. So I was getting very disheartened in how long it was taking to get to that point. This is crazy to me. I I think the first thing that is crazy to me is the fact that all of the practitioners around you weren't giving you the information you needed, one, about your well-being, two, about different pessaries and how all of that works with the prolapse and incontinence. And then you had to find this information on Instagram and message a random person. And this is where you kind of went, okay, this is this is what I need or this is what I'm looking for now. And then being able to go somewhere to figure that out. That's insane to me. Yeah, well, knowledge is power, so I feel very knowledgeable now. And now I'm actually the random person that people message to ask me these questions, people that have read my I story. Bet you are. <laughs> and I'll be like, go and see this person and do this. Yeah, I know that we are really in need of more women's health physios, particularly ones that do have a variety of experience and training. I know this is something that's in really high demand but the supply quite, isn't quite there. So what pessary did you end up with? I, was it the silicon ring? The ring, but with the support because I liked the oh. dish. Um, but when I played hockey, it supported my prolapse so well. But when I played hockey, it was a really rainy night and I was running and I could just feel the warmth leaking down my leg. And I was like, what is going on? Like none of them had done that before, but because it was so supportive and pushed my bladder back into the right spot, it was Mm. making the incontinence like that I, once my pelvic floor was um, like exhausted, obviously halfway through a hockey game, it it just wasn't holding on anything in. (laughs) So that made me leak and I was like, yeah, I can't be doing that. So now I have 
yeah, a ring with a support, which is I originally liked the ring, but it just I knew it wasn't the right one when I first got it. So I sort of come full circle a little bit. Like, yeah. The ring, but with support so that my cervix can't fall through it. So it's supported. Oh, I see. And so when you started playing hockey or carrying the groceries in from the car or anything like that, um, did you ever experience any kind of anxiety around doing things even after having the right pessary? Did you experience any anxiety around like playing hockey or lifting up your kids to put them in the car or, you know, any kind of everyday activity or or returning to the the sport that you loved? Like did you experience any anxiety around um, doing it or doing those things? Um, it's always like in the forefront of my mind that, situation and how things are going to impact it but then having the right pestering isn't necessarily always a good thing because you do like I do get a bit complacent in forgetting to do my um, exercises and things like that because it's not as obvious to me anymore not so much anxiety but just being very much aware and then every night I'll always like check if it's feels lower or if it feels different like I always just touching my prolapse if that makes sense just to see yeah how things have affected it or what's happened yeah and so have you ever received any support for your experiences including your mental health um support from family and friends but people will say go and speak to someone but that comes with you've got to have time to do that and money and it's cost me a fortune in physios already and, and trying to find the right people to be the support. So I think, yeah, I've gone through a few physios to try and find the right one that I'm happy to be the people that I keep going back to see. And, yeah, funnily enough, between the Cairo, the physio and Pilates, they've been the most supportive things that I found because knowing when I go to Pilates and I'm building core strength and how that impacts my prolapse and makes me feel better about it all and being stronger. And I think I wasn't aware on how much your core plays in actually helping hold all that up and, and do that. So yeah, learning on the way and finding those physical supports has been good. Yes. So you're, you're more taking the stand of you need that physical support for you and your body and then that ultimately will benefit your mental health. Yes, knowing, yeah. like feeling the change. Yes, okay. I, that makes sense to me. That makes complete sense to me. And how much of an impact the prolapse had on your mental health. So do you think that like going through all of these physios and it taking 16 months for you to find something that finally works and fit and was comfortable and did what it was supposed to, do you find that that journey was what impacted your mental health the most rather than, say, the prolapse? Yeah, I find it really hard to talk about now because I am in a better place, like you were saying before, um, because I just don't have those emotions like when I wrote to you. Like if you'd spoken to me then, I would have been a completely different person to speak to, to what I'm talking about now. But I, I just find it really hard to talk about because I feel like, yeah, like I've got the right fitting pessary. I'm seeing all the right people. I'm feeling good. Like I'm finding it really hard to talk about what it was like. <laughs> um, I, I mean, I'd probably say that's a good thing. It's not the end of the world. 
although when you're in the thick of it, it felt like it was the end of the world. Like I couldn't see the light at the end of the tunnel. I couldn't see the joy in having these two beautiful, healthy babies. Like it was like my life was over. That's what it feels like. Um, and I, I think a lot of people can relate to that too because I've read a lot of people talk about similar situations. And I, I even had a couple of mum friends say, like, I don't know how you do it. You're so strong going through all this. And, like, what they were seeing, like, I couldn't see that. Like, I just felt like a complete train wreck and it was just so hard and I just, those thoughts of just those really dark thoughts. And in it was like a roller coaster ride. So sometimes it was worse than others. But then coming through it and looking back now, I sort of, I knew one day this time would come that I would look back and go, wow, like I got through it. But not knowing when that was going to happen was so hard in the thick of it. Like not knowing mm-hmm. when when was I going to feel better? When was I going to find the right pessary? Like when does it get better? Yeah, um, and kind of like when does this end? <laughs> yeah, and now it, it feels like I sort of am coming to the end of it, like finding the right people to help, the right supports physically <laughs> and emotionally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I'm really happy that you've been open to medication as well. I find people generally aren't for their mental well-being. It's kind of like, oh, I'll have a headache and I'll take a Panadol or, oh, I've had like a severe injury, I'll take an Endone. (laughs) But for our mental health, medication is kind of really stigmatized. And it sounds like medication for you because it's a cheaper option, it's very effective, and it's kind of the one thing that, helped you really get through the experience of you trying to find the right pessary and and find those practitioners that would help you physically it's kind of like that helped you along the way would you say that yeah well I've only just recently started it because I think I knew it was going to help me but I just wasn't ready to get out of this morning morning period where I was mourning my old life and the way it was and I think I was I just wanted to be in that angry spot for for a while. I wasn't ready to come out of it because um, I was just trying to – that was my way of dealing. I was just being angry about it and that was – I wasn't ready to get on with it. Everyone said it would get better and I just didn't want to go there yet, I guess. <laughs> I, I was still just trying to deal with what was going on and also the effect it was going to have on my son, if any. Um, so that's why I just – put up with feeling so shitty for so long because I didn't want it to impact him, especially when he was younger. And yeah, now he's 16, 17 months old. I thought I'm ready to feel better. Like I just want to feel better now and I don't want to be angry and so miserable all the time. I want to try and get better. And so then I did and it hasn't affected him, I don't think, although he still is a shocking sleeper. So, And so why did you decide to share your story? I think because I found it a bit therapeutic in writing it down because I sort of wrote it down um, when I was feeding him or when I was doing something and then I'd go back and like add some more to it or it was sort of like seeing a counsellor I guess but just without the time and cost of it all. And I just, yeah, just at the time just like, wanted to keep retelling it and then also to help people realise that it's 
like not as like it's common and it's just not spoken about and it's interesting when you actually do talk about it or mention it how many people will come up and go or in the conversation say yeah I've got a prolapse or this happened to me or like everyone has a story but no one's speaking about it yeah and so yeah that's probably mainly I just it was therapeutic for me to talk about it and to share it and just to see what came of it and it took me a lot of research and time like delving into what all this was that it should be common knowledge but it's not it absolutely should be common knowledge and I find like when I talk to people that haven't had babies yet Rogel is one of them she I feel like she'll be very well prepared <laughs> I say that all the time yes. like that's an ongoing joke in our family by the time I have babies I'll be oh I'll know everything <laughs> I've got this um, but that was also a, a, like a massive frustration for me. It was kind of like, why why aren't people talking about these serious issues that women and conditions that women experience and they kind of are glazed over or dismissed? And I find that talking about them, it really starts to open up this this world that's been hidden for so long. I don't know how to explain it or if that's a good analogy, um, but that's why I asked you to come on today because I I knew that you would be all about it and you sound like you have this underlying frustration of like why aren't people talking about this um, and it is and it, I agree with you it is to raise awareness and help other women be informed so in closing I wanted to ask if a mum is listening to your story right now and has is going through similar experiences to what you had been through what would you say to her there is light at the end of the tunnel although it doesn't feel like that when you're there and I can definitely relate to that it's so a bit patronizing for to hear people say like just give it time there's light at the end of the tunnel because everyone said all this to me and I was like no you're wrong you don't understand you've got no idea but yeah as cliche as it is like you do get through it it's just a matter of time which is frustrating in itself because it just Mm. feels like it takes forever and yeah I don't know I feel a bit silly trying to give this advice that I couldn't take myself (laughs) I think your advice would probably would be a bit more effective because you've been there whereas the people probably saying that to you hadn't been there would you say that it's still hard it's still I yeah, even if people that had said it that have been there, I think when you're in the thick of it, it's it's so hard to believe that there you will get through it and that you will look back and go, okay, it's maybe not as bad as I thought it was then, even though it's still it's not great, but it's not as bad as it it was, I guess. Um, but yeah, it's, it's not as simple as going and having a baby. It's there's so much more to it and there's so much more aftercare that comes with it that I think that's what people need to know, that it's, you don't just go and have a baby and walk out. Or, but that's what I did think after my first, <laughs> I must say. Yeah, but that's just, insane to me, the differences. Yeah, I just didn't realise till recently about the preparing you can do for, for yourself, for your body, for your pelvic floor. Like people say have a birth plan. I thought that was like about actually giving birth but I've yeah recently learned that just everything you can do to 
help your pelvic floor relax and everything to do with your own physical preparation of your body. I guess mm-hmm. I never thought about that and now I'm wishing I did know about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for coming on today. This has been a very interesting conversation. I've loved it. You've had me on the edge of my seat the whole time. Thank you so much, Alison. It was so lovely to meet you as well, but I hope you'll stay in touch and I'm glad you're doing better and that you've found a pessary and that things are working out and you're back at hockey and you're feeling a little bit more normal. That's um, yes. good news. Yeah, yeah. Well, and thank you for doing the work that you're doing and just getting the information out there. Thank you so much for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you're listening and would like to share your story with us or feel compelled to talk about issues surrounding women's health, please don't hesitate to reach out. We would love to hear from you. You can find us at The Power of Birth on Instagram and Facebook or on our website, thepowerofbirth.net. If you loved this episode, we would love it if you left us a review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on and share us with your family and friends. The conversation has to start somewhere. Thank you again for listening and we hope you join us in the next episode.